Morning, everyone. So, for context, last time the women went to the tomb, found it empty, two men appeared to them in clothes like lightning and said, Jesus is not here, he is risen, he is alive. They ran back to the apostles, told the apostles what they'd seen and heard, and the apostles were like, yeah, nah. <laughs> then they're like, uh, maybe we should go and check. And Peter found the tomb empty, as the women had said. So now we are picking up from Luke chapter 24, verse 13. Now, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened here in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet powerful in word and deed before God and all people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us they went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us. It is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke bread. Thanks, Michael. Good morning. It's great to be here with you this morning. Um, as many of you know, I have, I have the privilege of serving our family of churches 
uh, as a director of ministries for Baptist churches across South Australia. So it's really great to be here kind of representing our Baptist movement on this significant day for this church. Um, but also, as Trent mentioned, I was a member of this church uh, for about four years when I lived just across the road. Uh, so it is really special to be back here. And I'm sure it's the same for you, those kind of mixed feelings, um, the, the memories and the stories of this place. I love the idea of writing on the wall. I hope that we all get a chance to do that. I was like, maybe if you get bored during the sermon, you can just go over and start drawing. It's fine. Start writing some things. Um, I've had the privilege over the last few years uh, in my previous role, particularly teaching at Tabor, of taking groups of people to the places of the Bible and spending time, you know, walking the roads and, and seeing the sites uh, of where the stories of the scriptures took place. And one of the things I've noticed when we've come back, looking at the photos that people have taken, is how many photos people take of their feet and of roads. It seems like there's something that happens when you're like, wow, I can't believe that I'm actually standing in the place where Paul was teaching and I'm standing in the place where Abraham was going through this gate and I'm standing in the place where Jesus walked. Uh, and so we get really excited and take lots of photos of our feet. Um, and there's something enriching and wonderful to our faith about being grounded in the place where God has been at work. And yet, we don't have to go to Israel and go back to the place of the temple and the place where Jesus lived and walked to encounter him. As Lee said, we have a God who is everywhere. We have a God who is present with us wherever we are. And so we kind of sit with this tension <laughs> that God is with us wherever we are, but God also meets us in the grounded locations where our feet are placed. We have a God who enters into our world. And so while we don't hold to sacred spaces... <laughs> In that sense, place matters to us because place is where God is at work. Place is connected to story and memory and community. And so it seems appropriate, I think, today, as we think about the significance of this place in the life of this church, but also stepping forward from here to be telling another story of Jesus on the road. Because while, as I said, we took lots of photos of our feet while we were in the places of the Bible, the most common places we took photos were on roads. It's the, the journey. Because the people of God have always been a people on the move, a pilgrim people, a people who God is leading forward, step by step. Uh, the photo that I have to, to kind of share with you at the start here today is a photo that probably means nothing to anyone else, but it is one of those photos that I took. It's just in, south of the city of Jerusalem, just south of where the temple is. Uh, and it is the beginning of a pathway that leads out of Jerusalem towards the road to a little village called Emmaus. And on Easter Monday, which um, I, was, I was in Jerusalem for, for Easter four years ago, and on Easter Monday, Christians from all over the world gather at this spot, to start the journey and to spend the day on Easter Monday walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus to remember the story that we are sitting in today. And as they journey along, they talk to each other. People from all around the world tell stories of how Jesus has been at work in their lives. And again, there's this tension between being in the place to remember this story, but actually telling the stories of a Jesus who is at work all around the world in unexpected places in the lives of all kinds of people. And so, as we come to the end of Luke's gospel, we again find ourselves on the road with Jesus. And I know this has been this series that you have been working through Luke's gospel, which is really shaped by Jesus walking the road with his disciples. And we come to this 
beloved story, this often told, remembered, depicted story of Jesus walking with these two disciples on the road to Emmaus. About 11 to 12 kilometer walk, a full day's journey. Uh, I didn't, I have to confess, I didn't actually do it. I went to the starting point and met all the people there and then I didn't actually walk. <laughs> it was a long way and I didn't really know how to get back. <laughs> so, but um, it's, a, it's a journey that these two disciples make, Cleopas and an unnamed disciple. Many people have suggested probably Cleopas's wife, given that they are journeying uh, together early on Sunday morning after the events of the Easter weekend. And there's so much in this story, even as we listen to it again, there are so many things that stood out to me. But for us today, in this moment, there were just three scenes or three movements of this story that I wanted to reflect on and how they might speak to us today. So firstly, we find ourselves with these two disciples walking, walking on their way home to Emmaus. Uh, and this, this first picture I wanted to share with you this morning is, is an artwork by an artist called Daniel Bonnell called The Road to Emmaus. Uh, and it's one that kind of invites you to reflect and imagine perhaps some of the emotions and the mood of these two and then three travellers along the road. An invitation to reflect perhaps on where we find ourselves in this story. But the first thing that strikes me about this scene of these two walking to Emmaus, leaving Jerusalem, is that they find themselves walking in a place of grief. They are downcast. They are sad. They are distressed because they thought this was the end. Everything that they have just experienced and seen in Jerusalem leads them to believe that this is the end, that their hopes and their dreams and their understanding of what God was doing have come to nothing, have been dashed, and they find themselves processing, what next? Essentially, let's go home. There's nothing more here for us. And as they walk this road in a place of grief, Jesus is present with them. This is an incredible story that in grief, we find Jesus' presence. Jesus joins them. And I love that he doesn't join them and immediately say, stop being sad. Don't you know who I am? I am risen. The story is a little bit more complex than that. Jesus listens to them. He asks them questions. You think, is he just trying to test them? They think he's just ignorant. They're like, are you the only person who doesn't know what's just happened? But it seems to me that Jesus is doing something here that reflects what he has been doing along the road throughout these last weeks and months with his disciples, something that God has been doing throughout history with his people, which is graciously being present with them where they are at. He listens to them, humbly allows them to acknowledge what they are feeling. He lets them share what the scriptures would call their lament, their honest reflections, their sadness. They're tinged with perhaps anger and frustration, their distress at all that has occurred. In their grief, they find the presence of Jesus. And as I said, I think that is a profound truth of who Jesus is and of who our God has revealed himself to be throughout the scriptures, that Jesus journeys with us, meeting us where we are at, not simply presenting a solution, hurrying us along, waving a magic wand, but entering into our reality, 
It reflects the heart of God throughout the scriptures that he would graciously and humbly enter into our world with all its brokenness and pain and distress and lament and grief and meet us there. And I wonder what that has to say to each one of us gathered here this morning. Perhaps individually there are griefs that we are carrying, the sadnesses, the weight, the brokenness of life, from sickness, unemployment, loss, broken relationships, or perhaps just looking at the world around us and seeing violence and conflict and war and poverty and famine. There is a lot of grief in our world. There is a lot to lament. And knowing Jesus doesn't suddenly magically make all that go away. Knowing Jesus is knowing that he is present in the midst of it. I love how Lee said uh, throughout communion, you know, think, think about any place in the world today where you think that God might be absent. He is there. Jesus is present in the streets of Mariupol in Ukraine, in the villages of Ethiopia, in the schools of Afghanistan, from every dark place, Jesus is present and is willing to meet people where they are at. That might seem a happy word for us today as this church, but I reckon there's some grief in this room for this community. There's some grief in change, in moving on. Don't we all know over the last two years how much grief there is in change and uncertainty and not knowing what's next and having life not seem to be as we had planned it to be? These two disciples know that. They thought they knew where they were going and now it seems that everything has changed. This is probably a good COVID sermon for all of us. But for this church, encountering Jesus right where we are and making space to name and acknowledge the sadness, the uncertainty. I loved what um, Sarah said about, you know, the kids that are feeling a little bit uncertain, maybe even a little bit fearful about what next week looks like. I don't know where to go. I don't know where I'm going to be. Things will be different. The invitation of Jesus is to not to pretend that that doesn't exist, but to acknowledge it and to acknowledge that he is present in it. And so I think it's a wonderful opportunity to celebrate the wonderful things that God has did in, done in this place and to name the sense of loss and grief that comes from change and moving on. But that's not the end of the story. That's just the first movement, the encounter of Jesus where we are. But as we know from the scriptures, from the, the big story of God, God doesn't meet us to stay where we are. But he always journeys with us to where he is taking us. And the second scene, I would say, that happens in this story is the scene of learning, of putting the pieces together. As the scriptures say that Jesus begins to talk them through what has happened. And using the scriptures, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explains all of it and how it all points to him. Now, as someone who's done a lot of uh, studying at Bible college and also some teaching, I would have loved to be in that class. <laughs> Seriously? A class where for a whole day, Jesus explains how the entire Bible points to him. That is just so exciting. But what we find in this 
piece, and, um, and I picked this piece of art, which is a, a mosaic by Rowan and Irene Lecomte, uh, called Emmaus. But you have to do a bit more, kind of peering into this one to kind of see what's going on. Because I think it represents the confusion that these disciples were experiencing. They find themselves in a place of confusion. What has happened has thrown everything they knew into doubt, everything they thought they understood about God and his story and the scriptures and where it was going, and they're trying to work it out. They're trying to apply the scriptures to this new reality they find themselves in. And into their confusion, Jesus brings understanding. He reframes the whole Old Testament for them. As I said, what a class to have been in. He shows them how it all points to him. The whole of the scriptures, we're told. Not just a few promises, not just a few random verses here and there. Sometimes when people look back at the Old Testament and how it points to Jesus, they come up with a list of individual verses that are kind of like predictions of what the Messiah is going to be like. And you find that within the Old Testament scriptures, and Jesus fulfills all of them. But what Jesus is doing here is something so much bigger. He says all of it, the whole story from beginning to end, from God's creation of the universe to his breathing the breath of life into humanity, to his calling a particular people to himself and rescuing them out of slavery, to his giving his word and his teaching to them so that they might live as his community, to his enabling them and allowing them to have a king who might rule over them, to bringing them into a nation, to taking them through some of the highest of highs and then through the darkness of the exile. All of it, Jesus says, is about him. All of it finds its fulfillment in him. I imagine there must have been a lot of patience in the way as Jesus explains this to them as they wrestle to get their heads around these, how these pieces all fit together, drawing them back to a truth that they, they know. They're familiar with the Old Testament. They're good disciples. They're Jews. They've studied this and yet helping them see it in a new light, in the light of the risen King Jesus. What Jesus does on the road here, I would say, is a model for biblical interpretation that we have been using ever since. That when we preach and teach the scriptures, we try to see how they point us to Jesus. How they find their fulfillment in him. And so Jesus joins them on the road so that they might learn and grow and understand all that God has been saying and what it means in the light of who he is. How might this speak to us today? The need that we all have in our confusion, in our wrestling, in our trying to understand what it is that God is saying to us. To listen for the voice of Jesus. To look for how it all points to Jesus. To live it out in a way that makes Jesus known. It's not easy to live out the truth of the gospel, to live out the scriptures, to follow our God in our culture, in our own community, in your own life. It's a challenge. It's a call to a different way of life, to a radically upside-down understanding of everything. And Jesus is the one who enables us to reframe what we think we know. I was involved in a, a project a couple of years ago when we were uh, trying to name, I guess, the, the shared values um, of the Baptist movement. We were talking about the scriptures and we're like, well, we, you know, we, we believe that we are formed by the scriptures and shaped by the scriptures. 
you know what, we're not just formed by the scriptures. We are formed and reformed and reformed and reshaped. (laughs) This is not a once and for all, ah, now I've met Jesus, now I understand what he is doing. But we are constantly seeing the pieces brought together in the light of who he is, what he is doing, what he is saying. This is why we can continue to preach from the same scriptures week after week after week. You can continue to read the same Bible year after year after year. Because it's not just black words on a white page. It's the living word of God which all together comes to point to his son Jesus, who is his final full revelation. And we constantly hear again what it says about him, who he is and how it speaks into our lives. As this community gathers today, acknowledging the grief of the past, what is the the current thing that God is wanting to say, that he is teaching through his word? How is he in the experiences, in the teaching, in the conversations, in the discussion, in the prayers of this community? How is he pointing again to Jesus, reframing everything that is going on in the light of him so that we might see how it all points to him or as Paul can say because all things are in him and to him and through him and by him and for him it might be a simple experience that one person has in an interaction in their daily life it might be a word that they believe God has given them it might be revisiting the scriptures again together it might be a prayer of we hear the voices of one another but all of those pieces come together in Jesus it is he who gives us the understanding. And I don't know about you, but that gives me a lot of um, confidence, but also relief <laughs> day by day as we seek to make decisions, to live out our faith and to, as a community, figure out what comes next. Where do we go? <laughs> what does the future hold? What does it look like? Jesus is the one who gives us the understanding, who reframes what we think we know in the light of who he is. So they're walking along the road in their grief and Jesus is present with them. They share with him their confusion and he brings understanding. And then they arrive at their destination. They come to the town of Emmaus. And Jesus is going to continue on. And they invite him to stay for supper. This is a a very famous painting by Caravaggio called Supper at Emmaus. It's this incredible, profound thing that happens that scholars and people who've reflected and meditated on this scripture have long considered and wondered and debated what actually is going on. That as they eat together with Jesus, suddenly they recognize who he is. There's a cynic in me that says, seriously, the guys just explained the entire Old Testament to you and you didn't tweak who he was? Really? Who did you think he was? There's something profound that happens here when they gather together in fellowship around the table. They share a meal, something they do regularly, something they do every day, but they share a meal with this teacher, this person who has been walking with them. They invite him into their home to join with them. And in that act of fellowship comes revelation. The revelation that this is the risen King Jesus. Jesus is suddenly seen and known by them. Now, 
We could debate the question of, you know, why in the moment of the meal is that when they saw him? Some people have suggested that maybe it's because he picked up the bread and they saw the holes in his hands and they went, ah, that's who he is. Other people said maybe it's the particular way that he broke the bread and the words that he said that triggered a memory of, what, just four days ago (laughs) when he did that same thing? And they said, ah, it's him. Luke tells us that their eyes have been veiled. And it is in this moment that that veil is lifted. And there seems to be something quite profound and spiritual that is going on here. Firstly, I think it's a reminder that the resurrected King Jesus is more than they knew. This is a common experience after Jesus resurrected. He is still Jesus. And yet, (laughs) he, in his fullness of living this new resurrection life, is different He appears and he disappears and people don't know who he is. Mary weeping at his feet and then he says her name and she realizes who he is. There is something incredibly amazing about the risen King Jesus. But I think the profound truth here is that in encountering him, in fellowship, in relationship with him, that is how they see more of him. That is how they know him. It's almost backwards and upside down. We assume that you meet someone, you know who they are, and then you build relationship and fellowship and get to know them more. And yet, it seems with Jesus that the more you get to know him, the more you realize who he is. I find this this is one of these sort of profound spiritual truths that has to explain it. And I always go back in my mind to a book that I read as a teenager when I first became a Christian. It's a book called Christie. I don't know if anyone's heard of it by Catherine Marshall. It's a good Christian novel um, about this, this young woman based on a true story who was a missionary, uh, I think the 18th, 1900s, something like that. But she has this moment where she's trying to figure out what's going on. And someone uh, gives her a piece of paper which has just written a verse of the scriptures. It's from John chapter 5. And uh, she reads it and it becomes this kind of profound moment in her life. And for me, reading that book and her moment is sort of... And it's a verse in John chapter 5 which essentially says, if anyone wants to know who I am, if anyone wants to know who Jesus is, obey me, follow me, and then you will discover that I am who I am. And it's, it's kind of this whole upside down thing, right? No, you're saying I have, to, I have to kind of obey you and love you and follow you and trust you and then I'll know for sure... I want to know first. (laughs) That's faith. Faith is stepping out and saying, I will trust you, I will follow you, I will obey you, and in doing so, I will discover who you are. I will find more of you. One of my favorite worship songs, we don't sing very much anymore, but had a line in it that said, Jesus, you're my great adventure. And it's always captured me, that idea that so many people seem to think that being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus, is kind of a boring life. It's a less than life. (laughs) It's a life of adventure because Jesus is on the move. Jesus is always going somewhere and he invites us to follow him. And in doing so, we get to know him more. We get to see more of the fullness of what it means for him to be the resurrected King Jesus. This is the heart of the gospel, that it is Jesus himself that we get to know and understand and walk with and be drawn into the life of. I think the last time I preached here was actually at Nick's induction and I talked about following Jesus and how that's something that we do with our feet, that we simply step out and in stepping out, 
we find that he has gone before us and he reveals to us what his plans and his purposes are. Now, I think this has something to say to all of us every day as we seek to know Jesus and fellowship with him and have communion with him every moment, every time, every place. But I thought particularly today for this community, for this church, as you step, in a sense, out into the unknown, the promise of Jesus is that as you trust him, as you follow him, as you obey him, as you walk with him, you will know him more. There is more of Jesus for you to experience, encounter and know. And there is more of that Jesus is going to do in and through this church community in this world. And it's that adventure, that invitation to step out and go where he is leading that will lead to an even greater experience and revelation of himself. This is the, the end, I think, of this series, and it's certainly coming to the end of Luke's Gospel and this journey of being on the road with Jesus. And I haven't heard all the messages that you've been sitting in as you've journeyed with Jesus, but I can imagine some of them on the road to Jerusalem, on the road to the cross, interacting with those who are sick and unwell on the side of the road, those who come to him in need. And here, journeying with the risen King Jesus after his resurrection. But the story goes on because we are always on the road with Jesus. And the story ends with these disciples back on that road again because they realize who Jesus is and they need to go back and tell everyone what has happened. I was reading something this week that talks about the walk to Emmaus and the Jerusalem jog. And I thought that was not a bad description of the end of this story. They've been walking with Jesus, listening and learning and pondering, sitting in their grief and their lament, taking the time and the space. And then, and then they are as quick as they can. We've got to get back. We've got to tell everybody else who we have encountered, who we have met, who he is and what he is inviting us into. And so, my encouragement for us today is in this moment, there is space to acknowledge the grief and the change, to celebrate what has been, to listen and learn, to encounter Jesus again. But as you leave this place today, can I say, run, don't walk. <laughs> Go forward, because the invitation of Jesus is empowered by the Holy Spirit to invite others to encounter him, to go out into the world, to be sent on the road, to continue his mission. Every place, every moment, every day, wherever you may be. And so my prayer for us today, as we reflect on this story, perhaps reflect on some of the art that others have encountered in this story, but in particular, seek to encounter Jesus ourselves. In this moment, looking back to where you've come from, where you are today, but always looking forward to where he is leading next, that it might be Jesus himself that is the one that you see, the one that you walk with, and the one that you look for in where he is leading you next. So let me pray. King Jesus, risen resurrected King Jesus. We have celebrated that story last week 
of your death and your being raised to new life, present, reigning with us everywhere we are and everywhere we go. We thank you for this story, this story of these two people and their encounter with you on that road. We pray that their story might speak to us today, the words that we need to hear from you. Whether it's words of invitation to acknowledge the grief and to let you meet us right where we are at. Whether it is the words of teaching and instruction and understanding that help us to begin to put the confusing pieces together. Or whether it is the word of revelation of yourself as we encounter commune and fellowship with you. We pray that as we walk the roads you have before us, as individuals, and especially today, we pray for this church, God, as Mount Barker Baptist Church steps out into the next road before it. Thank you for your presence. Keep speaking your words of teaching and understanding. And may there be ever greater revelation of who you are so that you might be worshipped and honoured, King Jesus, and so that we might take that good news and share it with others. In your name we pray. Amen. Let me pray a prayer of commissioning. Our Father, who sent your Son to walk among us and sent your Holy Spirit to empower us, we know that to be your church is to be sent. Sent into our neighbourhood to love and serve. Sent out to our community to declare and invite sent all across our world as salt and light. As this church goes out from this place this day, may that identity as your sent people be an ever-present calling as they live out who they are as your church. King Jesus, who invites us to follow, taking up our cross to walk with you daily, we trust that you go with us every step. We are your visible presence in this world, your hands and your feet, your ears and your voice, that you might be made known through us. As this church steps out into a new season, may your presence walking alongside each one be seen in them as your followers. And Holy Spirit of wisdom and truth, who knows the end from the beginning and all in between, we look for your leading and guiding into the as yet unknown. We long for your voice. We wait expectantly for your revelation. We pay attention to the signs of your kingdom breaking in. As this church continues to discern the shape of its ongoing ministry and mission, may you work beyond what we can ask or imagine to make the path clear for your people. God, send us out in the power of your spirit, in the grace of your son and in the love of the Father, to see your kingdom come and your will be done. Amen.